Good morning and welcome to Grind, Grace, and Growth every Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. Each day we wake up to start the daily grind and we try to do everything with grace for the goals of growth. Brought to you by Snowden Company Real Estate, Ed Cheney Tire Pros, and Brad Bearfield Children Insurance. I'm Shelly. I'm Adrian. And I'm Amanda. And today we are talking about hurts, habits, and hangups with North Park Church's very own Donna Wheatley, who is in charge of Celebrate Recovery. Donna, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh my goodness. Yes. Hi. <laughs> Good morning. About uh, seven years ago now, my husband and I and a group of people from North Park Church began to form a group that we had been wanting in our congregation for about 10 years called Celebrate Recovery. It was formed at Saddleback Church in Los Angeles, California, 30 years ago this year. It was started by a recovering alcoholic who was looking for an alternative to AA, which is nothing against AA, but he wanted to be able to work his recovery and do life within a faith-based group. And we had seen the need for that in our church and in our community for a number of years. And that year, it came together. Six months later, my husband passed away. And he was a pastor at North Park Church. He was. Mm -hmm. He had been pastoring the church for 26 years when he died. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, you know, the first few months I was dealing with grief, but I had signed on to be the cook. We served dinner every week, and I was committed to do that. And it kept, it kept me there in that recovery group. And very quickly, I realized that this thing was not just for drugs and alcoholics, mm-hmm. drug addicts and, and alcoholics. And so I would hurriedly rush through the, the kitchen chores and run upstairs to the meeting because I wanted to hear what was going on. And it didn't take long for me to realize that I had hurts, habits, and hang-ups as mm-hmm. well. And I began to realize that this recovery group was for me too. That's great. And yeah. I think that a lot of people could benefit from Celebrate Recovery. Yes. And just in that, you know, in that sense of grief or depression. Yes. Um, I know that I've worked with several caregivers of Alzheimer's patients and I've worked with hospice and home health in the past and just going through the process of loss. Yes. And Moving into the holidays, too, a lot of times you see increased depression during the holidays. So, Adrian, Amanda, do you all have any input? Like, have you all ever dealt with, you know, a loss or anything like that? Well, yeah, you know, um, I've dealt with loss coming from an older family. Like, just about everyone's a lot older. I'm the last of seven kids. So, we've I've lost all of my grandparents uh, and just, you know, seeing what my parents went through from the loss of their parents was pretty right. tough. But even personally, I suffered quite a bit of trauma, especially as a kid. And that trauma stays with you as you grow older, that trauma stays with you and it doesn't go away. And, and Donna, I'm just going to be honest with you, just hearing that you realized that helping the people who were going through these situations, you realize that you yourself we're going through some form of trauma. That's a big part of healing. It is. It's There's huge. no doubt about it. So, yeah, I mean. And that's probably why you're so involved with the Meridian Freedom Project, because you have a passion for helping and you have oh, a yeah. passion. And that's your witness, possibly. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, the Lord has, you know, given you a way to deal with your past or things that you have 
been experienced with to help others. For sure. And same as you. We are a 12-step program, as and there are many of them. And our 12th step says that in order to maintain our recovery, we must serve others. Mm. We must turn outward Mm. in order to maintain what we have achieved inwardly. That's great. Mm -hmm. And I also know like Amanda, she's a real estate agent and she has overcome, like she just got her contractor license. So I think that that in itself also, like you're so driven in your career, there's gotta be a reason why that your career, you're just so driven and you'd love to help people find a house. You love to help Mm -hmm. people find places to live or maybe a secure home. So maybe that has something to do with your past. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you never, you never know, but yeah, I feel drawn to help people do that. Cause I think when you find a home, that's like your safe place and that's Mm -hmm. your security and you're like, okay, I'm safe here. Mm -hmm. And that's really important to people. So I'm sure that's why people turn to you to help them find that safe place. Mm -hmm. So, um, so tell us about some of the different programs or things that y'all see at Celebrate Recovery. I know we've talked about grief, but what are some of the other types of, of programs? Like I know we were talking about drugs and alcohol, um, but that being really more of a coping mechanism for depression or, you know, different types of abuse. So Mm -hmm. why don't you tell us a little bit about those? I've come to realize over the years that if you, when you learn someone's story, they begin to make sense. And the vast majority of us, if not all of us who are in recovery, have come to realize that we all come from a place of pain and hurt, usually in our childhood, sometimes out of an abusive relationship that came later. But usually that pain and hurt that we can't seem to get beyond came in our childhood, and it manifests itself in a variety of different ways. We think of drugs and alcohol, and that's probably the most destructive way that we deal with the hurt of our childhood. But in Celebrate Recovery, we see all kinds of things. We see, um, you know, uh, chemical dependency, food addictions, gambling addictions, love and relationship addictions, where people are literally, they are compelled to get into these destructive relationships. Mm -hmm. They get rid of one and they go right into another one. Um, You know, a lot of people, particularly a lot of men, but some women too, deal with pornography addictions. And we have people that deal with that. Self-injury, unfortunately, is a growing one. Cutting and other forms of self-injury. You know, and what demographic do you typically see like the self-harm? Is it a younger demographic or older? It tends to be younger. It seems to be the, you know, the soup du jour (laughs) right now. But I don't think that any of these things is exclusive to any one particular so demographic. I can't imagine injuring yourself. You like know, I, I know, and and it it is difficult to understand. And the only explanation I can give you that ha- that makes a little bit of sense to myself is this. A person's pain is so deep that in cutting themselves or sometimes even burning themselves or whatever it is, that that pain masks for a while their deep soul So maybe pain. like, um, what do we call it? Where you um, associative, oh my gosh, where you have pain inside, so you cast your pain on something else to focus on. Yes. It's like 
I, I learned it, about it, it in psychology a long yeah. time ago. It's a form of transference. Transference. Yes. Yes. It yes. doesn't make a whole lot of sense to us who don't do it, but it does to them. And it's, it, in a sense, it's a distraction. This Correct. pain distracts me from the deeper pain. Correct. Right. And does it also, is it something that draws attention to the person that's maybe a cry for help so like kind of like a first sign that maybe their loved one should pick up on hey something's not right here we need to do something so is it kind of a, a help cry well when the loved ones find out about it it certainly is a cry they do need to see it as a cry for help but the vast majority of people who self-harm do it in great secret they have a great deal of shame about it and they try very hard not to let anyone know that's terrible it's a big deal when they come into recovery and they can finally say I do this. It's a big deal. It's some people feel shamed by it. I've had a couple of friends who have dealt with those things and it really does take away from the actual pain mm -hmm. that they're going through. Mm -hmm. And the pain is literally deep seated mentally. Mm -hmm. They mm -hmm. don't want yes. anybody to know about it. Yes. They don't want attention. They just want a distraction to take away from what's actually going on in their minds and to their bodies at that moment. It's mm -hmm. a way to release and get away. Mm -hmm. It's an escape. All, yeah. all of these things, all of these compulsive, compulsive behaviors that we see in recovery, they come with as people are trying to avoid, numb, get away from just for a while, get a break from, however you want to put it, their deep pain. Well, do you also see extreme highs as far as compulsive sure. behavior? For sure. instance, like shopping, you know, people sure. that are addicted to spending mm -hmm. money or mm -hmm. buying stuff online. And I think mm -hmm. maybe that has grown a lot because of the pandemic and people sure. were being basically trapped at home for so long and they were just online spending money, doing things. So I was wondering it's if that's pleasure. Mm -hmm. And the pleasure, you know, we're seeking for pleasure because that is the opposite of pain and sorrow mm -hmm. right and so we're looking for so it's a transfer again and going back to that transference thing you're using shopping as a mechanism to mm -hmm. cope with whatever yeah. you're feeling right mm -hmm. it takes that sadness away and mm -hmm. it gives you an extreme happy mm -hmm. i mean i'm not gonna lie i do love to get a pretty new sweater or a new pair of shoes mm -hmm. i like um, amazon i like amazon mm -hmm. too and you know especially like having a new baby mm -hmm. i know after the twins were born I wanted them to be dressed so cute, but it was like I kept shopping and mm -hmm. shopping and shopping. And it was like, how many clothes do children really need? And so I think I had lost that. That, And that's when it crosses over into a destructive thing mm -hmm. is when we there's nothing wrong with going and buying a pretty new dress. It makes me feel pretty. It makes me feel mm -hmm. happy. There's nothing wrong with that. Where it becomes destructive is when we go home and the next day. I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I can't pay rent this month because mm -hmm. I bought that yesterday. And it, and when it becomes a compulsion where we ignore the fact that we cannot pay our bills, then we got trouble. Then right. we've got an issue that we need help with. We see a lot of that in financing sure. um, where sure. people ignore their spending habits and they rack mm -hmm. up a significant amount of credit card debt and mm -hmm they're in trouble before they know it and then they're wanting to refinance their house to pay off credit card debt in fact we were yeah. talking that mm -hmm. with that a yeah. little bit about with taylor last mm -hmm. week on the show when we were talking about you know you get pre-approved for a house but then mm -hmm. they go out and buy a new boat 
because they think they have all this money or their budget's going to go down because they're going to be owning a home. So we see a lot of people impulse buying as well of buying boats and buying big ticket items also, especially like after tax season, you know, you get that lump sum of taxes back and it's like, oh, it's like, what am I going to spend this on? Yeah. Yeah. People did the same thing with stimulus. Oh, yeah. One of the issues that we actually deal with in Celebrate Recovery is financial recovery. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's a good one. This compulsion to spend and spend and spend when we don't have it to spend. And it's causing dysfunction in our families. It's causing pain and guilt and it's called it's it's multiplying our misery long term in the name of finding pleasure in the short moment. And so this is like a group recovery. Yes. You come in. Yes. And it is. don't they say that the one big thing in divorce, the number one indicator yes. is is financial. Mm-hmm. Um, they say that that, you know, financial stability or instability is what causes divorce. Yes. Absolutely. Mm. Or the number one, I guess you could say. Absolutely. Yeah, all of you know, all of these things come together and, and so we deal we deal with all these and people come into recovery and they usually have one thing in their mind, you know, my grief, my anger, my codependency, my you know, whatever it is. We come in and we think if I could just get control of this one thing, I'll be good. But what we usually find out is once we get in there, we come to realize that this is just the top layer. This is the part that we see the most, that is causing the most grief. But when we start to to go down deep inside and look for the cause of this and, you know, the root of it, if you will, when we start pulling that root out, we discover that there are other things under there, too. Mm -hmm. And... We, if we don't get to the root, it's just like a weed. If you don't get the root out, it's going to come right back. You yeah. pull the top off and you think, oh, look, I'm all done. It looks so good. But if you don't get the root out, it comes right back, maybe in a different form. And that happens. People will come in and they, they have an addiction and they address that addiction and they get good with that. But what they do very often is the pain is still there. And so they replace one addiction with another. With another. Mm. Yeah, I see yes. that a lot. I, mm. I remember when I was having a moment in my life where I was unhappy, I worked a lot. I became like a workaholic and I just mm. would work, work, work all the time. Sure. And that was a way for me to drown out my unhappiness. Mm. And I, I mean, I was super productive sure. and that was great. But you have to also come to the realization is when is enough enough? Yes. Because because of my working so much, it took away from other aspects of my life that needed my attention. Mm -hmm. Um, And as women, we are spread so thin, you know, between children and, and husbands and jobs, if you're a working mom, and even if you're not a working mom, taking care of your home. And so that was just a way for me to, I guess, again, back to transference. If I was working, I was making money, and then everything in the world would be fine. You know, and this gets complicated because our society rewards some addictive behaviors Mm -hmm. like workaholism, perfectionism. We reward that. Yay, you're a great employee and I can count on you. And then we hold in contempt other Mm -hmm. addictive behaviors like drug addiction, like alcoholism that's out of control. We hold that in contempt. But the truth is usually those roots are common roots. Right. And, and really, they all have the same underlying, like what you're saying, under common roots. Yes. You just, the way people handle mm-hmm. their problems is, is so different. Mm-hmm. I also know that you have people that are obsessed with working out. You have people that are sure. obsessed with 
food. They eat food. So everyone has a different way of dealing with grief or pain or anger. Um, I know that I had to start running a long time ago for me to just deal with anxiety mm -hmm. and being overwhelmed. And that was a great way for me to get out. And, and it may, I always tell people it's important for me to work out because it makes me a better person. Mm -hmm. But I also have to remember, I don't have to go run 12 miles or I'm going to hurt my knee and then I won't be able to do right. anything. There's a difference right. between, you know, self-care and then addictive Behavior. Addictive behavior. Yeah. Right. How do people typically come to the realization that there is a problem? Oh, that's that's a good question. That is a good question. That's Amanda. a good question. You know, when, of course, the obvious one is when, when you're, when it becomes destructive, when it begins to disrupt your life, your marriage is falling apart is a big one that will bring people in, uh, losing a job, mm -hmm. you know, being unable to function you know that those are big ones the ideal thing is if someone realizes hey this thing is out of this is getting out of control before it destroys that's the ideal time to come you know grief brings people in uh, anger management issues bring people in but I would say the number one thing that brings people in is broken relationships mm -hmm. be it a marriage a parent-child thing uh it always amuses me and saddens me too. Parents or spouses who come in, I have a son or I have a daughter or I have a spouse that's got this issue and I want to come in and figure out how I can fix them. Oh right. my I was going to ask that. Yeah. Do you work with a lot of family members and friends who want to do interventions when they see the problem but the person necessarily doesn't see the problem? It, it happens. And most and more often than not, what they don't realize is that very often they are not the cause of the problem, but they are a part of part. the problem. Mm -hmm. I find uh, it so funny that people who cast stones, though, typically don't want to take any responsibility for contributing to a person's problem or they don't, you know, but I think that like someone coming in and say, oh, this person has a problem. Well, how do they know? Are you clinical? Are you how, how do you know this person has a problem? Like. Yeah. That, or, or are they just trying yeah. to say this person has problems and, and I want to fix them, but that person yeah. has to want to be fixed. Mm -hmm. From time to time, I'll have uh, spouses, uh, wives who will come in and, you know, we had we had a couple about three, two, three years ago that, came, that the wife came first. And she and I had a relationship from years before, a business relationship from years before. And she came in and I recognized her on the spot and she recognized me. And she's like, my husband is in rehab for alcohol right now. And I want to start, I want, I'm hoping that he will come to this program when he gets out. And I want to go ahead and come because I want to be able to support him. And that was a healthy thing. She was not saying I want to fix him. Mm -hmm. She was saying I want to support him, encourage him. And I, I kind of smiled inwardly. A, I was glad she was there, and right. I applauded that. But I also smiled because there was still that element of, you know, if we can fix him, it'll all be good. But she but may it, have been doing something that drove that behavior, too. I don't, I don't know that she was, in the sense of enabling, I think that was probably so. You know, she loved him, and he's a lovable guy. He's a super lovable guy. You know, she loved him, and it's very possible that she was enabling him. But as she came in... I encouraged her to come in and I said, come in and concentrate on you and ask God to give you answers for your own self. And I think as you find answers for your own self, you will find how you can best support him and encourage him. And that's exactly what she did. 
And they have, those two have been one of our greatest examples of what a healthy recovery program being worked looks like. And they're three years out, they're serving in our program as leaders, and they are making an enormous impact in the lives of other people. But she came to realize in it all that she's codependent mm-hmm. and that it that many of her loving, caring, nurturing behaviors toward him were just making it easier for him to continue in 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 his own addiction. Not that she was causing it, but she was making it easier for him to just stay right where he was. Okay, um, well let's turn this into a parenting conversation yeah. as an enabling parent. Like with oh, like yeah. we have small children, you know, and we work and so sometimes I feel like you know, working moms, we might tend to let things go. And then Adrian, let's talk about your program, maybe if we can, you know, about what are some of the things that we're seeing in, in our youth now, um, like different behaviors that, you know, we can maybe stop from the home. I mean, there's <laughs> a laundry list of those, <laughs> uh, but I'll just kick it off with a few of the basics. Social media is insane. Mm-hmm. It has a huge impact on our kids. They want to be what's unattainable at their age and they're not being realistic. Yes. Um, and that really messes with their confidence yes. and their self perception. Mm-hmm. And it really, really does not help when you come from a community that stigmatizes getting assistance, mental health, well, uh, yes mental health preparedness and going to places like celebrate recovery. A lot of minorities do not embrace going to get help because you can work it out yourself. Right. And when you've got those type of thoughts in the family, especially when you have somebody who needs that help, it makes it a lot harder for the kids to go for assistance, to accept the fact that there might be an issue and they just live with it, accept it and they keep going. But I'm going to be honest with you. The kids are malleable. It's our job to help our children understand that it's okay to not be okay. Absolutely. And then on top of that, you have bullying on social media. Oh, Oh, huge. And cyberbullying. And that's, I think, as parents, that's the one thing we worry the most about in this day and age is, I mean, yeah, we want our kid to have a phone, but I don't want you to be on Facebook. I don't want you to be on YouTube. I don't want you to be here, you know. Gray is at the age where he is, you know, in middle school, and you start seeing that. He's 13 years old, but as of right now, we don't allow social media. Mm -hmm. I would be the same way as a parent, Mm. and the people who need the most help in those cases are the bullies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Let me just put in a plug here. At Celebrate Recovery, we have a program called The Landing, and it is for teenagers. Oh, wow. It is Celebrate Recovery for Teenagers. And uh, it is a way for kids to come in, hopefully before they're in trouble, right? before they've made a mess of their life, and get the tools that they need to be able to see that there are things they can do to prevent or to begin to deal with the pain that they've already come. Sadly, a lot of teenagers by this point, they're already feeling their pain. That's where the self-harm comes from Mm. and some of this other stuff. But I just want to say to whoever it is out there listening, it is a sign of strength to come to a recovery program. And and I think admitting that you have a problem, like I just know I have so many friends that have said, I need help. And, you know, and and sometimes you just need a friend to listen um, or talk through issues. But, you know, being 
my background in the medical field, um, you know, I have so many friends that are sociologists like yourself um, that are amazing and can really help people through their journey. Right. You have to be strong enough to want to put down the bad habit. And I think that's the hardest thing for people. And you mentioned earlier, you know, somebody coming in and you guys knew each other and we do live in a smaller town. So most likely when you go, there may be a person or two in the room that you know. Is this group anonymous? Do you keep everything confidential? We are absolutely anonymous. We stress it in every single meeting, in every single group. I think that is, you know, a reason that people don't want to go to places like this oh they may recognize me but they're there for the same reason Precisely. that you are that's so right. you have to go get the help you need and that's knowing right. that it's anonymous that right. should help that's and right. we need to change that attitude of oh they're going to be persecuted we're all here to help each other we need to get away from this mm-hmm. you know casting stones and persecuting and be like we're here to love each other and, and i mean let's sing kumbaya and help us get through this journey yeah. you know let me say this I have found in my own personal life that being able to put it out there, my name is Donna, I'm a grateful believer who struggles with anger and codependency and grief, and to be able to put it out there to people, even though I'm a pastor's wife, even though I'm a college graduate, even though I'm all of these things, to be able to put it out there to people and to be dead honest Mm -hmm. that, hey, I'm a human being and I have failures and I have things that I have done that I'm not proud of. What it really does is it levels the playing field and others are able to see, oh my goodness, she's just like me. Mm -hmm. I'm just like her. We're in this thing together. And I don't have to feel less than her. Mm -hmm. I certainly don't want to feel more than Mm -hmm. you. And when we all can come together on an equal level, there's help and encouragement for all of us and that just also shows you that hurt is across the board yes. you know mm-hmm. it's, it's not just it's universal it's it is you know it's there's no age mm-hmm. race mm-hmm. um yes tax status financial status anything like that That's everyone right. and really if you look at anyone everyone's dealing with their own demons oh, yeah. yes absolutely so. all of us well, y'all, we're running out of time. I feel like we could talk about this for a whole nother 30 minutes, but maybe we'll have to have you on again, Donna, That'd and talk pleasure. about some other things. Um, but do y'all have anything else y'all want to add? Or I just want to say we love you, Donna Wheatley. Oh, You've you. been great You've today. You've been great. We've just, learned a lot. Yeah, just talking to you so calming and, and learning more about Celebrate Recovery. We appreciate you. May and I the say landing. that our meetings are on every single Monday night, 52 weeks a year, Okay, 6.30 okay. at North Park Church. If you want to come straight from work, we feed dinner at a quarter to six. Can I bring my eight kids? Yes, you can. <laughs> we, have, we have nursery for a free nursery from birth to age five. We have I mean, Celebrate Recovery for kids from kindergarten yeah. through sixth grade, the landing for teenagers, and yeah. groups for adults men and women that'd be great and pastor fear tag is amazing he's great and um donna i want you to record a psa for me about celebrate recovery that will air on super talk oh that would be wonderful so i think it's a great program and we need to make sure that a lot of people know about it so we appreciate it very much all right well y'all thank you so much for coming on we have another interview today with tyba Lindsay. so we have a lot going on so um thank y'all thank you miss donna for coming on and um We'll talk to y'all next week. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye.
This is refreshing. Oh, good. Just to 